Welcome to Haunted Crimes Podcast, where we will explore stories around the world and the internet about true crimes and its haunting effect. Join us wherever you listen to your podcast. And now, here's your episode. This week on BuzzFeed Unsolved, we walk through a ghost hunt from over 200 years ago that turned into an actual murder case, the Hammersmith Ghost. 200 years ago, that sounds like peak ghost time. They all like from then? When do you think the first ghost was? Adam and Eve? Hmm? Was one of them a ghost? I don't know how it works. I don't know. Was Jesus the first ghost? We're getting a little off track here. Okay, we yes we are, we are. Hey, you're ghost, right, you're right. A supernatural case that turned into a true crime case or a murder case. It's a beautiful marriage of the two shows. It's funny because over the years doing this show, I've often thought of making our supernatural cases into murder cases. What is that supposed to mean, you son of a bitch? Let's get into it. Okay. On the north bank of a winding section of the River Thames in London sits the village of Hammersmith, while less than five miles west of Buckingham Palace. In the early 19th century, Hammersmith represented the border between the countryside and the city. And in late 1803, this village of freshly built homes had a ghost problem. Late at night, a tall specter covered in a white shroud would emerge to roam the areas around Black Lion Lane. Thought to be the spirit of a villager who had slit his own throat the year prior, the ghost would accost, harass, and sometimes even attack travelers out late. This sounds like a level 10 ghoul. A level 10 ghoul. If it's wearing a white sheet like Charlie Brown. I don't know what white shroud mean. That could mean a blanket, or that could mean it's shrouded in like a white mist. I think it's a classic boo ghost. I'm gonna say it's a mist because no one's gonna get scared of a little sheet with holes cut into it. I have to disagree. Erase from your mind the concept of the classic boo ghost. Yeah. Now suddenly a boo ghost appears. Oh, it's a boo ghost. You seen that as a boo ghost? He's just wearing my sheets. That's not how you'd react. You know that if you were 200 years ago and ain't never seen a boo ghost, you'd be screaming bloody murder. I think it's disrespectful to think 200 years ago someone wouldn't go, that's a guy under a sheet. You're wearing a sheet, mate. Like that? Yeah, like that. He's, get out under there. We want a sheep for, mate. I'll get out of there, mate. This man's pissed drunk. He's wearing his bed. In one incident, the driver of an eight-horse wagon carrying 16 passengers became so frightened by the ghost that he fled on foot, abandoning his passengers and horses. It's a big-ass wagon for you to leave behind and be like, see you later. <laughs> Just yeah. taking off. Oh, that's true. You, you don't want to leave that wagon. I guess not. The horses were probably confused. <sighs> Imagine the trim on that baby. Probably mahogany. Maybe. Damn, dude. Just sanded to perfection. <sighs> sanded to perfection. Just like slides Probably off some the gold skin. leaf? Maybe. Just slides off the skin like butter. Smoking, man. Anyways, don't leave your wagon full of passengers behind. The horses are probably scared too. Oh, eat horses whinnying at the same time? That's deafening. Watching your master run off while there's like some boo ghost going, whoo. Yeah. I don't know. I still don't think it's a dude in a sheet. I think it's like a, a white mist around this thing. People describe ghosts as having like a like a white, it's like aura. an ethereal. Okay, I see. Yeah, like yes. a glow. Crisps. I haven't seen that. So, no, you certainly haven't. In a ghost, the ghost I saw looked like a person. Why don't you continue the story? One man, Thomas Groom, described walking through a churchyard with his hands in his pockets and a jacket under his arm. When from behind a tombstone, someone grabbed him by the neck with 
two hands. The hands spun Groom around, but there was no one to be seen. When he pushed out with his fist, it felt as though he were punching a large coat, but he didn't contact anything solid. Well, I'll just go for a stroll through the- <laughs> You know he's not telling it that way though. This is like a war story. Like, so there I was walking through the cemetery and then all of a sudden I got these two hands on my neck and I turn around and I knock them out. I fucking kill the ghost, mate. I fucking kill the ghost. How do you grab someone and then turn? Because that's not easy. Can you imagine doing well, that? Well, I mean, like, if it's a ghost, we're talking about the laws of physics being broken. Yeah, I guess so. What do you think about him punching and not feeling anything solid, but feeling like a coat? Boy, I'd give a million bucks to watch this guy do that. To if watch? If you were just, like, eating an apple by a tree and you saw this guy walking around, just look like a horse's ass. <laughs> <laughs> just I'd be to like... You all right? In another incident, a pregnant woman was walking near the churchyard around 10 p.m. Suddenly, a white specter materialized from the tombstones and came after the woman. She tried to run away, but was caught. The ghost began to press her into his arms, and the woman fainted. A few hours later, some neighbors found the woman, woke her, and took her home. There, she reportedly went to bed and never awoke. Just Good when you Lord. think you're out of the woods, you got bear hugged by a ghost. It's strange for a ghost to- Hug someone, right? Yeah. To embrace, that's why they're lethal. Yeah, actually, I am curious. Do you think it's possible to have a literal heart attack because you were uh, of so much fright, so much fright attacked your body at that moment that you had a heart attack? Is yeah, that possible? Yeah, I think that happens all the time. It makes me scared about all these places we go to. <laughs> yeah, because you could die. Because I could just straight up get killed. I'd probably be making fun of you the whole time too. Is there you... anything more embarrassing than finding my stiff corpse in the middle of a dusty hallway with that stupid erector set camera on my chest and a spirit box in one hand? It is just... Especially because we'd have the GoPro footage of your, your still face. <laughs> and then I communicate with you through the spirit box. Yes. And I'm going, I'm God, Shane, save me. Please take me to the hospital. Can still have time. And I'm like, I oh, didn't turn this fucking thing off. <laughs> the citizens of Hammersmith began to stay inside after dark unless absolutely necessary and made a point of avoiding the areas with reported sightings. Some villagers, however, became convinced that what was haunting their town was no ghost at all, but simply a person wearing a sheet and they were tired of living in fear. Would you hold a town hall meeting and be like, we gotta stop this guy? Yeah, I would. I'd literally get some pitchforks. Just a pitchfork, a torch? Yeah. You'd be pretty scary with a pitchfork and a torch, actually. Yeah, I mean, Especially I already have sort of a- the pitchfork would look like a fork. Someone on Twitter told me I have colonizer hair right now. Yeah, it's got a point. I look like a pilgrim. I mean, you might as well complete the whole set. <laughs> get that pitchfork. I do look like I'm about to burn some witches. Maybe get a, a rosary. Just this with pitchfork. Scripture. <laughs> Respect the scripture! Determined to catch this public nuisance, some men in Hammersmith set up armed patrols to survey the streets at night in hopes of catching the culprit. Unfortunately, it proved impossible to monitor the countless routes in and out of Hammersmith, and the spirit continued to terrorize residents. 
One night, a patrolman spotted the specter and gave chase. He later reported seeing the spirit rip off a large white cloth before escaping pursuit. Now, is this the actual origin of, of the sort of Boo Ghost white sheet? No, of course not. They were doing that to scare people into thinking they were a ghost. So obviously it had been popularized in some form before that. So now we've arrived at the more tangible true crime element of it, where it is sort of someone up to some hijinks. By January 3rd, 1804, 29-year-old Francis Smith had had quite enough of the hauntings. The fact that someone was scaring his fellow villagers and the fact that this person had thus far eluded capture infuriated him. Smith resolved to bring the ghost down once and for all. According to some reports, Smith prepped for his patrol by drinking in a pub. Anybody knows the best way to prep for your first day as a vigilante is to pre-game it at a pub. I respect this guy that he's had enough of the ghost because it's bothering his lads. That's true. A, a real sense of community there. He's a protector. Yeah. A guardian. So at least his intentions are good, even if he's 100% going to die yeah. in the midst of a drunken stupor. Well, you know, Guinness can often muddle good intentions. It was certainly a time of heightened nerves in Hammersmith, and few were as well acquainted with that fact as Thomas Millwood. Millwood worked as a bricklayer and, as such, wore a uniform of white linen trouser, a white flannel waistcoat, and a white apron. All white. Yeah. Oh no! You may see where this is going. Stay oh, tuned. Oh boy. Millwood had twice been mistaken for the Hammersmith ghost while walking at night in his all-white getup. One time, a man and two women riding in a carriage spotted Millwood and shouted, quote, there goes the ghost, end quote. Millwood said he was no more the ghost than the man in the carriage, then asked the man if he'd like a punch in the head. Could you imagine being politely asked, would you like a punch in the head? Obviously the answer is no, but yeah. for a split second I'd be like, no, yeah, obviously no, but yeah. the way you asked it made me think like, you were asking me if I'd like to go to the pub or something. I'm like, yeah, I'd love to go to the pub. What if it was more aggressive though, like, do you like a punch in the head? Oh yeah, that's a little more mean. No. Then the answer is definitely a no. In an effort to stop folks from suspecting her husband of being a ghost, Millwood's wife asked him to cover his work clothes while in public. Millwood refused. I just, I just don't know what the logic is. Like if someone told me, hey, they're on the lookout for a person dressed in all white at night. And they're ready to kill this guy. So I think you should maybe not wear all white yeah. at night. Fuck you. <laughs> Where do you get off? On the evening of January 3rd, the night Francis Smith resolved to stop the Hammersmith ghost's reign of terror, Millwood stopped by his parents' home to chat with his mother and sister Anne. Meanwhile, Francis Smith was on patrol. Around 10.30 p.m., Smith encountered watchman William Girdler in Beaver Lane. When Smith told Girdler he'd planned to hunt the ghost that night, Girdler said he'd join the man after he finished calling the hour and surveying the lanes. He's probably so jazzed as it gets close to any hour. It's 11 p.m. and all is well. Get inside, my name is William Girdler. It's me, Girdler, once again. 11 and it's 11 p.m. <laughs> Get ready to go to sleep, I love you. Shut the hell up out there, we got Big Ben. I love you, I said. It was a particularly dark night, reportedly impossible to see objects even on the other side of the road. So Smith and Girdler arranged a secret greeting so they'd know it was the other. Quote, friend, advance friend, end quote. We could do that in haunted houses. Yeah, it'd be fun. So you say friend, I say advance friend. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's reciprocated because we're friends. Because we're friends, right? 
Yes, we are friends. I feel good about it. Yeah, it's good. I don't know how many times I have to tell you. I don't believe it any time. Well, I don't say it with a lot of... Yeah, you're right. We should change the greeting. Maybe it's just in the dark. I go, hey, dipshit. And then you respond. Ah, get on over here, my buddy boy. <laughs> what the fuck? Is that good? Late into the night, back at Thomas Millwood's parents' home, the bricklayer finally got up to return home to his wife. He said his goodbyes, left, and closed the door behind him. As his sister Anne got up and moved towards the door, she heard a voice outside call, quote, damn you, who are you and what are you? Damn you, I will shoot you, end quote. Sounds like he's gonna get shot. Well, I mean, I'll say this. He certainly did say what he was going to do before yeah. he did it. Called his shot. He did call his shot. Yeah. Probably a good time to chime in with, I'm not a ghost, now. please no, stop. Millwood's sister Anne saw a flash of light as the sound of a gunshot tore through the night. She called out to her brother from the window, but got no reply. She ran out of the house and down the lane, where she found her brother lying in the street. By the time she was halfway to him, she knew he was dead. There was no one else around. Francis Smith retreated to the White Hart pub, where he met up with the watchman, Girdler. It's rounds on me, everybody! <laughs> I've killed the ghoul! Pops open the doors like saloon. Everyone pack your bags. <laughs> We're good to go home, ghost is dead. All right, do you think Smith and Girdler still did their little friend, advance? Friend, oh, big time. Like outside the bar, but he said friend in a way that knew, Girdler knew he yeah. had done the Dean. Friend! <laughs> advance, friend! Smith, Girdler, and two more men made their way back to whoever the heck it was Smith had shot. Smith confessed to Girdler that he feared he had hurt the man badly. For his part, Girdler noted he had heard Smith's gunshot, but didn't think much about it. Apparently, gunshots happened very frequently in the area. Quote, every quarter of an hour, almost all night, end quote. If you live in a place and a time where guns are going off every 15 minutes, yeah. is it perhaps ill-advised to dress as a ghost to scare people on the streets at night during, um, in that town? I used to play a lot of pranks on my roommates and yeah. I would always be scared of scaring them if I thought they had like a glass of water or something in their hand or like an iPhone because I figured iPhone, like yeah. they might break or they break might iPhone. toss the water at me. Yeah. So I could only imagine if they were walking around our uh, shitty house with a gun. <laughs> Probably not the best idea to get a good boo in. I don't think you'd get your boos in if that was the case. I don't think I would either. Yeah. I mean, I'd get one boo in. It'd be the last <laughs> boo I ever booed. Boo! <laughs> <laughs> Look, obviously this guy is a dum-dum. The, the, the vigilante Smith. Yeah. But he seems to feel remorseful that he just killed a man in cold blood on the street because he thought he was a phantom, so. Do you think though, when he got there, he was like, I, uh, I think I've killed the ghost. And then the other guy was like, oh yeah. And he was like, yeah. Uh, and he had a sister. He was leaving his sister's house. Yeah. And you know, he had a heartbeat. He said, don't shoot, I'm not a ghost. It just slowly dawns on him. <laughs> Maybe we should go check on him, huh? Have I done a whoopsie? When the men got to the body, they found Smith's shot had struck Millwood in his jaw. Girdler carried Millwood's lifeless body to the Black Lion pub. A surgeon summoned by the coroner reported that Smith's shot had penetrated the lower left jaw, vertebrae in the neck, and the spinal marrow. The coroner deemed the matter willful murder and a remorseful Smith surrendered to authorities who took him to jail to await trial at the Old Bailey. 
I did shoot him in the jaw. I did shoot him with my ghost gat. Very funny they bring a surgeon to a bar. I guess that's sort of the meeting point in town. That's the good thing about pubs in London. Yeah. Every uh, person of every uh, occupation is probably at the pub because it's very much a social yeah. thing. At any okay. given moment, you could have the surgeon, the coroner, and yeah. you probably have a lawyer and a judge. You could finish the whole case right there in the pub. On January 13th, the trial that ensued became a pretty important one in English legal history. While Smith admitted to killing Millwood, he was adamant that it was by mistake and entered a plea of not guilty. Throughout the trial, Smith showed a great deal of shame and remorse. He was physically unable to stand without the aid of someone else, and he had difficulty even getting words out in his own defense. According to one report, quote, the pallid hue of his countenance during the whole trial, together with the signs of contrition which he exhibited, commanded the sympathy of every spectator, end quote. It seems like he got swept up in this ghost fever. Yeah. I almost feel bad for him. He was probably a little blottoed, you know. Yeah, he got a little ahead of his skis there. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. I can see why he would feel remorseful. You know, he's trying to trying to save everyone in town and do a good thing by shooting this ghost. Yeah, yeah. And then he does it while maybe a little tipsy, who knows? And he regrets it. He feels bad. Smith testified that upon calling out twice to the white figure nearing him and receiving no response, he became so much agitated by what he presumed was now an actual ghost that he fired his gun out of panicked fear. When I'm out there looking for ghosts, I hear noises, I'll think it's a ghost in that moment, and then I'll go back and I'll analyze the evidence and then be able to make that determination later. Right. But if my methodology involved shooting everything I thought was a ghost. Be a lot of dead people. Be a lot of dead people. <laughs> Probably you'd be dead as well, honestly. You'd be locked up. I'd be, I'd be behind bars. Yeah. And I'd be just saying the whole time, look how many ghosts I caught. After all witnesses were heard, the judge presiding over the case, Lord Chief Baron MacDonald, addressed the jury, explaining that nothing in the case could make the offense anything but murder. He gave the example of a man setting out with the intent to shoot not a ghost, but a highway robber. If that man shot someone he thought was a highway robber, but who turned out not to be, that was still murder. He also reminded the jury that as disgusted as Smith may have been at the fact someone was terrorizing the village dressed as a ghost, that did not entitle him to go out with a loaded gun and shoot the person. I think it doesn't really matter if you believe what you're doing is right in your heart. Yeah, because you, you could be a serial killer and be like, yeah. look, it's my passion. I believe what I do is art. And simply to achieve my artistic creation, I have to paint with human organs. Sue me. Why are you taking me to prison? What's happening? Nevertheless, after an hour of deliberation, the jury came back with a verdict. Smith was guilty of manslaughter, a charge that had not been brought against him. The judge reminded the jury this was not an option available to them. They were either to convict or acquit Smith of murder and murder alone. The judge further emphasized his point by reminding the jurors that even if Millwood had been someone posing as a ghost, Smith would still be on trial for murder. The justices on the cases noted that even if a police officer killed someone he was entitled to apprehend, that was also still murder. Juicy, some juicy legal drama. Killing someone's killing someone. 
doesn't matter if you're like the, you're thinking you're killing a ghost or if you're a cop killing a murderer or like a robber or something, it's still a murder. Perhaps we as human beings uh, should not take it upon ourselves to uh, end anyone's life. That's probably a good plan. The jury apparently believed that some consideration should be made for the fact that at the time, Smith truly believed he was firing a bullet at a ghost. Since there was no room in the law for this interpretation, however, the jury reconvened and came to the decision that yes, Smith certainly had murdered Millwood. Smith was sentenced to be hanged the following Monday. Because of the great deal of interest the case had garnered, however, Lord Chief Baron MacDonald immediately referred the case to the Crown, who swiftly ordered a, quote, respite during pleasure, end quote. I mean, it seems like a lot of the public are feeling sympathy for this guy. Well, they wanted that ghost in the net. For sure. They wanted that ghost netted. But meanwhile, sure. ASAP. this quote unquote ghost is still out there. That's true. Allegedly. Or maybe the ghost was like, Oh, I'm gonna pack it up now. <laughs> yeah, I didn't know this guy had ghost bullets. All right, my, my haunted days are over. I'm going to the next Imagining town. the ghost walking up on the scene and seeing the guy and just being like, oh, just as he shoots the other guy and being like. <laughs> By January 25th, King George III had pardoned Smith, requiring him to serve a one-year sentence of hard labor instead of hanging. I'd say that's a hell of a cutoff from hanging to your death to being like, hey, pick up some trash for a year. I mean, it does sound like he was genuinely remorseful. He did and, and I look, I somebody. get it, he murdered someone. I think this guy got off with a little slap on the wrist when yeah. you consider what could have been the alternative. I mean, 200 years ago a, though, hard labor, probably hard. While Smith escaped the gallows for shooting the unfortunately dressed Millwood, there's still an unsettled matter at the heart of this story. Who? was the ghost of Hammersmith. Our first theory is the ghost was nothing more than a shoemaker by the last name of Graham trying to spook some employees. Graham was arrested in January of 1804, charged with being a nuisance, as he would reportedly go out at night dressed in a blanket. Graham claimed he only donned the costume in an attempt to scare some apprentices who had frightened his children with ghost stories, though he was spotted by more than just the apprentices. Even the watchman Girdler reportedly saw Graham. Sounds like a funny guy. He is one of the ghosts, it seems like. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, he definitely dressed up like a ghost. Yeah, <laughs> no disputing that. <laughs> Grimly, Graham was a singer at the church and even sang at Millwood's funeral, a funeral that was the direct result of the hysteria over the Hammersmith ghost. He was like, wait a minute, I dressed up like a ghost too? Hang on. <laughs> <gasps> After Graham's confession, the Hammersmith ghost seemingly did stop making appearances. According to one source, however, Graham was only responsible for one appearance of the ghost on December 29th, leading to our next theory. Look, you can never make sweeping judgments like this, but I would say him feeling protective of his children like that makes me think that he wouldn't hug a pregnant woman to death. No, don't read spooky stories to my children. You spooked my boys. Can you imagine if someone came up to us in the middle of the street and yelled that at us? <laughs> they have. My children won't stop watching you on the YouTube and now they won't sleep. Would you like a punch in the face? Our second theory is that multiple people were responsible for dressing up as the ghost. It's unclear whether it would have been a coordinated group 
or rather, individuals taking advantage of a legend to have some fun at the expense of their neighbors. I like the idea that it's a group of people because this reminds me of when there was those the clown sightings. Clown sightings. Yeah, yeah. And that seemed like it was different people all over the country who caught wind of like maybe one sighting and then were like, yeah, let's make this happen. That was around the time when we saw a clown in Mexico. Yes, it was. And that was scary. We had a clown walk up to our car <laughs> and he was cleaning our window. And after about 20 seconds of him cleaning our window, I realized he had no cleaning supplies. He was just miming, <laughs> he cleaning was our miming window. It. And we all just sat there in terrified silence as we watched Didn't this clown. go? <laughs> and we're like, oh, that light changes soon. <laughs> well, so yes, it could have been though. It could have been a group like that. Indeed, while sightings of the ghost stopped after Graham admitted to trying to scare his apprentices, the ghost resurfaced in 1824, this time with hooks and reportedly even the ability to breathe fire. This iteration turned out to be a young farmer who was caught and sent to the House of Corrections. Despite this, in 1932, Hammersmith was yet again troubled by reports of a ghostly being, one dressed in white that could climb walls and bushes using long claws. It's very scary to imagine a boo ghost, you know, a boo ghost, yeah. with a sheet scrambling up a wall. Imagine all the sort of billowing going on. Him scrambling, making screeching noises. <laughs> I don't give a sheet. <laughs> Our final theory is that an actual ghost haunted and continues to haunt Hammersmith. Some locals claim that every 50 years at midnight on a full moon, the Hammersmith churchyard is visited by a white specter floating through the graves. Yeah, it's probably just somebody dicking around. I mean, if there really is a ghost, at least Millwood didn't die because of a little prank. There was actually a ghost in Hammersmith. Yeah, it probably wasn't, but yeah. Of course, it's possible all three theories are responsible. Perhaps some townspeople saw an actual ghost in Hammersmith. Word spread, and some folks with an extra sheet lying around decided to dress up as it, including the shoemaker Graham. I do think it's possible that there was an actual ghost sighting that spread to a couple people, and then, like we just said, it, it, it took a little bit of a life of its own, and people started to dress up as the ghost. My money's on flesh and blood, baby. As someone who doesn't believe in ghosts, if I were walking alone at night and someone in a sheet came up to me and hugged me, yeah. I'd be upset. Well, as someone who has seen a ghost, yes, I did see the ghost and I didn't faint and die, so, you know. Or did you? No, I'm alive. Oh yeah, no. Yeah. I'm alive, I'm, I'm. Or are you? No, I'm oh, alive. Yeah. No, I'm alive. <laughs> <laughs> The case of Francis Smith spurred debate about self-defense law in England that wouldn't be fully clarified until the early 1980s. One thing, however, is quite certain. If you see a ghost, don't fire a gun at it. If it is a ghost, a bullet's probably not going to do much to it anyway. And while some claim the ghost of Thomas Millwood haunts the Black Lion pub where the watchman girdler brought his lifeless body, as for whether Hammersmith was haunted by someone playing a deadly prank in a sheet or an actual specter remains unsolved. Another season finale in the books. Any closing thoughts? Well, that was a real corker, Ryan. Thanks for uh, telling me another story. You're welcome. Don't shoot a ghost, use a net. That's the ghoul boy promise, ghosts are real. Don't shoot them. Disagree. Put them in a net. Shoot them.